Hello and welcome to Lady Time, a podcast for people navigating midlife. I am your host, Carol Fitzpatrick, and my guest today is Christian De La Huerta. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. The H is silent, so it's De La Huerta, but you, you Oh, De La Huerta. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Christian, would you like to tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, first of all, Carol, thanks so much for having me on the show. I, lo- I love what you're doing, and I love the message um, and the mission of, of your work. Um, yeah, well, you know, I'll tell you, I'll start this way. I'm an unlikely person to be writing about personal empowerment and what it means to live a heroic life in the 21st century. Um, I was so painfully shy as a teenager um, and so disempowered um, that looking back on it, I did, of course, I didn't set out to do this, but I sabotaged my grade point average in high school. I had all A's um, except for one B. And looking back on it, I know I did that my last year so that I wouldn't have to be the valedictorian. There's just no way that I could have uh, stood up in front of an auditorium filled with hundreds and hundreds of people and delivered a speech. There's just no way. I wasn't ready for that. Um, and so what, what I love about that is that it gives credibility to the teachings that I write about um, and speak about because I'm a perfect example of that. These days, like, you know, I speak all over the world. I've delivered TEDx uh, talk. Uh, I get, I've gotten paid for speaking, so I can say that I'm a professional speaker. Um, and I can also say that my adolescence was one long depression um, with suicidal you know, ideation here and there. Um, and these days, like no matter the details of my life, no matter the circumstances, relationship works out or it doesn't, a project succeeds or it fails, in quotes. Uh, I never question my sense of self. My, my sense of self-worth is like unshakable. And so that I know uh, that what I write about and what I teach, it works. That's amazing, Christian. That's so good because you, you've walked the walk so you know the struggle of disempowerment to empowerment. And yeah. I'm sure that, was, that sounds like a very painful time, but at least people who are going through that can find some help in being mirrored by your experience, you know, mm-hmm. that they can, they, they can see that they're, see how amazing you are and what journey you've come from. Um, you've written that amazing book, Awakening the Soul of Power. Um, and it's it's a it's a big book, like it's a good, good study into the power and the ego. And you, it talks about your experience, your family, and talks about patriarchy and how it's affected women and women's power and even men and men's power. Um what what um what inspired you to to write this book? Hmm. A couple a couple of things come to mind. Um, so on a on a broader level, on like a global scale, it's a quote paraphrasing Einstein, who said something to the effect of that you can't solve a problem from the level of consciousness in which it was created. So when I look at the world, um, and and so much of the challenges that we're facing as a species 
so much of it is connected to to power and abuses of power and imbalances of power um, between the genders and in so many other ways between the rich and the poor and um, and, and we're facing that right now as, as a species like what kind of relationship do we want to have to power what kind of leadership do we want and we see it in the world where there's both a birth and a, and a movement towards freedom and personal empowerment and spiritual transformation and a spiritual awakening even and at the same time there's there's a contraction and there's a equally strong um but well, I, I don't know about equally but a very strong um direction also towards authoritarianism and fear-based uh structures um and being told what to do and power you know power over so so that so that's 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 up for me our relationship to power globally the other part of it that inspired it was um my older sister you know which um, i'm one of nine kids i'm good catholic family um and all of us within 12 years no no twins and my sister was a natural born leader like she would boss around not only the, the nine of us, but the entire neighborhood, 20, 25 <laughs> kids. And, and not in a bad way, it was just a natural thing. Like she'd say, hey, let's go do that. And we would just say, hey, great idea, let's, let's go. And like we just didn't question it. And when she hit puberty, something happened. I don't know if somebody said something to her or whether she just took it on through osmosis, but she shut that, she turned that off. She shut it down and she took on this kind of, persona of mother Teresa um, and so that that always kind of saddened me because I know that's not unique to my sister I know that many many women have also done that um, and I've been working I mean the book the book is for everybody but it has a particular message uh, for women's for women about women's empowerment stemming from my belief that that is the single most important thing that needs to happen in the world and it's not to idealize women. It's not to put women up, up, up on a pedestal. Women are also equally capable of abusing power. Mm. But it's, and, and it's not to add more stuff for women to do, you know, more responsibility for women to clean up the mess. Um, it's because we have been working as, as a species. We've been so off balance, so off kilter um, between the masculine and the feminine energies. And so I think that is when women are in 50% of power, in this world will have a very different relationship to war and poverty and hunger and distribution of wealth and social justice and how we treat the environment etc to all of it so that's what what drives the book as well fantastic yeah that's great a lot of lovely story of your sister leading the 2025 uh, kids and <laughs> it's yeah. a shame that she she seemed to lose her power then and she went into a different, well, you know, what's Mother Teresa? Is she a bit like a martyr? She she martyred herself a exactly, little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They're self-sacrificing self and uh, putting everybody else's needs above hers, which which is honorable. You know? mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's a good thing. As long as we're also taking care of ourselves and not giving up our own power and our own authentic selves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love what you've written about the ego in your book. Um, you've got you have a couple of chapters on that, and and I also love the way you use references for popular culture. So it could be uh, an artist like Boy George. Do you use Boy George? I think you do. Uh, um, Karma Chameleon, and 
you know, modern books or films and uh, yeah, it's, it's really refreshing that you bring in things that we can really relate to in today's world. Yeah, I, I decided to kind of use the, the, the metaphor of the hero's journey um, because that is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's the hero's journey. Joseph Campbell really defined it for us, but it's been around and since the earliest stages of humanity, all our myths, all our stories are based on that. Um, and, and you can definitely apply it to, the, to our own personal story of, of growth and transformation and development. And so that's where I got to use all the superhero movies and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and all that kind of stuff, which, which I love. So using, exa- using a lot of examples from that, because what we're talking about is, is work. It's, mm-hmm. it's not easy. Uh, to do what, what I'm talking about requires uh, going within, requires looking at, your, at ourselves, requires understanding why we do the things we do. What are, what are the patterns? Where do we get those beliefs from? Um, in what situations do we tend to get triggered? In what situations do we tend to give our power away? Is it, is it in romantic, intimate sexual relationships? Or maybe it's with authority figures, parents, bosses, ministers, priests, um, coaches, that kind of thing. And, and that takes work. You know, that takes self-awareness. It takes self-analysis and self-observation. Um, and it's, it's work, yes. And sometimes it requires that we look at parts of ourselves that are not fun to look at and, or see or, and, or maybe to remember stuff that wasn't pleasant, but it is so worthwhile. So that's why it's heroic. Um, it's a lot easier to go through life numbed out and just flowing with, with, you know, looking at ourselves, but it's. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We, we need to, you know, what was it? Uh, Plato or Socrates said an unexamined life isn't worth it. You know, exactly. that we need to, we need to reflect. Um, we do in order to, 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 to go for our dreams and to, 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 to live a, a, a life worthwhile. Exactly. That may connect to why so many people have a midlife crisis. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. We, we get yes. to a certain point where, you know, we've been kind of coasting and not looking at ourselves. And then suddenly it's like, whoa, WTF, where did the time go? Um, and, and then that, that can be a good catalyst you know, for going within and really getting in touch with who we are in our authentic depths. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for bringing in the midlife because that's what this show is about. Yes. And that is, you know, if you haven't begun that spiritual quest, that hero's journey or the re- reflection before midlife, it certainly comes up during midlife. So if you've gone for the job that really doesn't reflect your gifts or you're doing it for money and not for yourself and you're you're miserable or whatever if you've gone down a path that wasn't for your authentic self it definitely comes back and shows up and says come on let's let's try this way uh, during midlife doesn't it exactly and and i think that's why so many of us have a crisis in my case i started that process of questioning much earlier mm-hmm. um, yeah, and the reasons for that, you know, I had to, as a gay man, I, I had to ask existential questions at a young age. As, as a gay man, growing up in a really Catholic environment and a religion that told me that that I was an abomination and that I was going to burn in hell for eternity at the same time that I had this 
longing, this vocation in me to, to want to serve the sacred, to make a difference in the world, to serve humanity. So I had to reconcile those things and I had to find, a, ask those really difficult, hard questions at a very young age, um, which was painful and I'm really grateful for it. Yes, yeah. Well, that's great that you did. And, and, and I'm sure it was really difficult to, to you know, the, the beliefs in any religion really aren't great for any sort of difference, be it your sexuality or uh, any sort of unique gifts you might have. Yes, Catholicism was particularly dark to, to navigate through as a, a young gay man. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and also interesting, again, that I'm writing about power because that's a very hierarchical institution mm-hmm. in which, as you know, um, you know, you're told what to believe and, and there's no, not a lot of gray area. Um, and also I grew up my first 10 years in a communist country in Cuba. So also very hierarchical power over uh, structure. Wow. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll go back to Cuba in a few minutes, but tell me about your midlife. How, how was, what was foremost in your mind when you, um, or what feelings did you have when you reached midlife? You know, it was, it was that those three letters, WTF, like how did this happen? (laughs) How did this happen? How is somebody calling me, sir? (laughs) What is that? (laughs) Like, I can remember clearly the first time somebody called me, sir. It's like, what? are Are you talking to me? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. uh, so so yeah not 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 a fun thing you know this aging process is not for the faint of heart it's not for whips um yeah yeah and yet if if we you know if we stick it out and navigate it there is so much wisdom um and so many benefits and so much freedom that can come from from that yeah, absolutely. Um, you remind me of, you know, it, there's not too much difference here with language when you're a, a young woman or an older woman. But say if you're in um, if you're in France, for instance, you know, straight away you go from being mademoiselle in your 20s to madame in your yeah, 30s. Yeah. In Spanish, too, señorita yeah. or señora. Yes, 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 of course. So yes, yeah, it is. It does creep up on you, doesn't it? It's like you're in, enjoying all the greatness of youth, and then, wow, yeah. how did I end up here? <laughs> no matter how many times they tell us when we're young, it's like to take advantage of it and carpe diem seize the day. It's like there is no way that that in our twenties we can get how fast it goes. There's no way. I don't think it's possible. Yes. So tell me about going from. Cuba, a communist country, to being a Catholic family. How how did that happen? Well, yeah. I mean, and it's one of the things that I do really admire my parents. My parents were amazing. You know, nine kids, and when we left, the oldest was 12, and my mother was eight months pregnant with the youngest, with the ninth, who was actually born in exile in Spain. We had to fly, you know, fly to Spain. At, that, at that point, you couldn't fly directly to the States anymore. Um, and so without, you know, then coming to the States, without any of us speaking the language, and from their perspective, like, right, now we got to take care of these nine kids and feed them and clothe them and put them through school and give them an education. It's like, I, I can't even imagine um, 
Like, so I, I really talk about heroism. I really um, honor that. And, and then another really interesting part of it is I'm really grateful for, for those years um, because we had a TV, but there was nothing worth watching. So I grew up reading and we grew up inventing our games and, and creating our pastimes and playing outside. And it's, it's heartbreaking to see these kids these days, like with their nose to the little screen um, and, and not spending time outside. And um, I'm, I'm really grateful. And, and one of the reasons for this is like, I developed this lifelong love affair with books and with words. Um, which has really deepened my, my experience of life. Uh, it's like sometimes like, so you get, you gain so much wisdom and it feeds the creativity so much the, to, to, to go into different worlds when, when you read a book. Um, oh, and yeah. like, you know, here's a story when we were kids and we had it better than most because my father was a psychiatrist and worked, you know, was, who was a director of a, one of the of the psychiatric unit of the largest psychiatric hospital in Havana, um, and they had friends who worked in foreign embassies, and so we were able to get things black market that m many people were not able to. But what's chewing gum to us in the West? Right, we stick yeah. a stick a stick a gum in our mouth and we spit it out. We don't even think about it. When we were kids, you know, a couple of times a year, we used to get a box of chiclets. Remember the little chiclets, that box that has like 12 pieces of chiclets? And we used to split them between the kids because large families, you learn how to share. And we'd chew it all day. By the end of the day, we got a, a glass of water, put a little bit of a couple of fingers of water, put toothpaste in it, and stuck our gum in it so that it'd be minty the next day. Oh, and then we had to hide it so my mom wouldn't throw it out. So then the game was, how long could we keep that going, you know, for a week or two until my mom found it and threw it out. Um, <laughs> but it just gives us a context of, of the things we take for granted here. That's chewing gum. And so not to mention the, lead, the liberties and the freedoms and the rights that we take for granted in the West. Yes, absolutely. Like the freedom to think for yourself, the freedom to... I think that's a really big one. I remember meeting someone who was a psychiatrist training here but from the Middle East and he was just talking about that you've no idea he said how how precious it is to have that free freedom of thought or freedom of speech because we take it for granted um we it's not it. it's not everywhere yeah it's not it's not okay it's so that's that, that's a lovely memory of uh, the chewing gum I love it <laughs> <laughs> How creative were you and your sisters and, and brothers? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Uh, you're very spiritual, aren't you? There's a real connection. It's not a religious Catholicism. It's something bigger and broader in your work. You also work doing retreats, don't you? Yes, yes. I, yeah, I'm in the category of spiritual, not religious. Um, although I do honor all the traditions and I challenge them all. Uh, so the way that I think about it is because they all, like once you start looking at it, they all hold a road. They're all a path to the sacred or to God, whatever you want to call it. You know, that, that word brings up a lot of stuff for a lot of people. So I usually don't use that word, but whatever, whatever the sacred means to you, to each one of us. Uh, so I imagine the sacred, you know, and by the way, I don't believe in abominations, but if I were to believe in abomination, 
the externalization of the sacred is an abomination. Like, like how much further could we have put the sacred away from us? And where the hell is heaven anyway? And that explains why we have this relationship to the earth and to our bodies that we do. Because we, everything that was sacred, we put way away from us. Right? We, we put it outside of us. And then the physical world, we made it something to be conquered, to be subjugated, to be controlled. The body, we animalized it. Sexuality, we demonized it. So no wonder we have sexual issues. And, and what's tragic about that is that before the patriarchal times and cultures and religions, that split wasn't there. In, in many of the Eastern traditions and many indigenous traditions all over the world, uh, sexuality was considered a valid path to God, to union, uh, to remembering. And indigenous traditions, they don't have a split to them. Everything is sacred. Um, the, the, the trees and the rocks and the creepy crawlies and the clouds and the fish in the sea. Um, and if we're going to go, you know, by, by Western traditions that claim that God is everywhere, that God is omnipresent, mm -hmm. well, then don't tell me that God is everywhere except for the bedroom and the genitals. Absolutely. I totally agree with you there. I think sexuality is sacred. And I did a lot of work with people who had been abused. Uh, when I was younger, I worked with the Rape Crisis Center for 10 years. Mm. And I, I know through that work that it is so sacred that if 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 you know if we've been hurt there we feel it to the core of our being and we have to reclaim that through reclaiming power and reclaiming the power over our body but it's of course our bodies are sacred and uh, and everything we do is sacred i totally agree with you there so um what has been your greatest challenge in life so far christian huh. Well, two come to mind. One is overcoming that fear of public speaking. Mm -hmm. um, and the other was learning to trust. Learning to like really trust, like to have a, and both were powerful journeys and very challenging. And I wouldn't want to go through that journey again, but I'm really glad I did. Now on the other side of that. Brilliant. So trust in, trust in the world, trust in life, trust in people. Trust in, yeah. trust in, in life. Like, mm -hmm. like, like, like rather than having a, a paranoid relationship with life, like what life did to me, um, I love the word pronoia, which oh. means that the opposite of paranoia, right? That, that rather, rather than me against the world mentality, it's life has a vested interest and has my back and has a best vested interest in be in me being all who I am and stepping into my power and fulfilling my mission and my purpose and being happy and having relationships that work. And so that journey is part of that. So should that shift from feeling a victim victim relationship to life, disempowered relationship to life to one of another way of holding power and you talk about that in the book don't you it's kind of a roundabout way of getting your power exactly exactly because as long as we are holding someone or something whether it's mom who did this or or daddy who didn't do that or this or the sister or the minister or the teacher or society or sexism or racism or homophobia as long as we're holding 
something or someone outside of us responsible for our state of being, for our happiness. Um, we just give our power away completely. Mm-hmm. And, and this is hard. It's really hard to pop out of this. Like, I think out of all the stuff, the, 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 the journey and the, the transformational journey that people go through in my retreats, that is the hardest one to pop out of. To realize that no matter what happened, no matter what happens, and it doesn't excuse what they did or didn't do. Right? It's not about that. This is about us and our relationship to life. And, and so getting to that point where we realize that no matter what happened and no matter what happens, because going forward, one thing we know for sure is that life is going to continue throwing curveballs our way and things are going to happen unexpectedly, both in our lives and global pandemics that nobody, nobody knew. Well, maybe some people knew that, that there was a good chance that it was coming. Um, but that no matter what happened and no matter what happens, we can always choose how we're going to be and how we're going to show up in response to that. And at that level, we just popped out of victim consciousness. Because nobody wants to identify with being a victim, do they? I mean, I don't, and I have been, you know, like I have been in that victim mode. I think we all go into that victim mode at some point. We all do. Yeah. It's the human condition. Yeah. But it's it's something we try to hide from ourselves. <laughs> I think we try to hide that part of ourselves because it's it's not something it's not something people like to be proud of. But once you acknowledge it and and shift from that into your power, happiness is there. Like it's like going from the ego to the soul. It, you see the bigger picture. You let go, and hey, you're there. You're you're already mostly there to happiness if not already there yeah yes and and it's freedom right Mm -hmm. we get we get to be who we we are wherever we are um we get to to decide like what's right and what's wrong for us right and that and that was one of the hard questions that i had to face as a a kid it's like all right what's what's right and what's wrong if i'm not gonna go by something that was written two thousand years ago and in some cases longer than that you know, when, when it was, then there were things that were taken out of historical context, out of, out of cultural context, at a time where women weren't even human, they were property. Um, things that were, have been translated and retranslated and mistranslated. If we're not going to use that as a moral compass, then how do we know? Like, how do we know what's right and what's wrong? And so it's, it's heroic work to figure these questions out, but it is so worthwhile because we get to decide these things for ourselves. And so, and then we walk around in, in our power and we get to create um, the kind of lives that we really long for. And, and rather than having this passive relationship to life, it becomes this, this collaborative, beautiful dance with life. I love that. Yeah. Collaborative, beautiful dance with life. I love that. Yes, absolutely. And there's nothing more attractive than somebody in their power. You know, sometimes we think that power is bad and, you know, because there's so many different types of power and abuse of power, but actually somebody in them, their own power and confident in who they are and their choices, they're, they're just gorgeous. Really. I totally agree. And, and that's what the book is about, right? Like, how do we step into power in a way that's authentic, that doesn't, that doesn't require for us to be abusive, that doesn't require for us to push somebody down, step on them, control them, use fear or force to, 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 for us to you know, put our knee to their neck. 
in order for us to prop ourselves up and, and up and feel powerful. Like, how do we do power in a different way? Mm. And 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 there's a way to do it. And yeah, anybody that's can what do you it. teach us. Yeah, brilliant. I love that. Yeah, and there's lots of steps. Your book, you know, you have this journey that you can interact with the book like a workshop in parts where you can um the, you you give questions at the end of uh sections and chapters to for people to write about and so excuse me it's not just a book um it's a book that you can interact with and and um learn more and go on a personal journey with not just reading it it's it's yeah it's an, an engaging on many levels um i suppose that's what your retreat work is probably yeah, and been good with that too yeah yeah you know and, and it is and it's profoundly transformational because it's a combination of the understanding of why we do the things we do and how we free ourselves from the self-made prison of, of the ego mind and then we get to use breath work um, as a way to to heal our past traumas and, and release uh, our trapped and suppressed emotions of course i haven't been able to do that for the last year um and I'll go back to doing retreats as soon as we can, as soon as it's safe to do so. Um, and so, like, here's another one of the examples of, of life, life's curveballs. Like, for 30 years, I've been doing retreat, and suddenly there goes my income, right? I can't do what I do. So like many people, I had to pivot, and I had to create virtual online program, which is a different dynamic altogether, I've, I've discovered. Uh, I mean, not all together. There's a lot of that overlap, but there's a lot that's different. And even the way you you deliver the teachings, the way that you interact with people is obviously different. Uh, the way that you create a safe container. Um, and, and so what one gift of that, of, of like, I've known for years I needed to do that. I needed to develop you know, virtual programming. If I was going to reach a broader people from all over the world who may never be able to come to one of my retreats. Um, and COVID forced my hand. And so... So what I'm loving about this opportunity is that, because what I've learned is that people will come to a retreat and have this amazing transformational expansion um, and they see themselves from a different perspective. And if they don't have a support system, if they don't have a practice when they go home, it's not hard to forget and it's not hard to be sucked back into the day-to-day -day, and little by little, those old voices of fear and self-doubt start pulling them down again and then they have to come to another retreat. Um, to expand again and to remember. Um, what I'm loving about this, year, I created a year-long virtual group coaching program. And what I'm loving about it is that I get to deliver the teachings just like you're talking about in the book. So piecemeal, a little bit of content, short chapters in the book. And the main difference being the interactivity that you're pointing to. So each chapter has power practices. Um, because yeah, we can learn a lot from reading a book, but a book is not going to transform us. It's the living of the teachings that, that, that causes the transformation. So the teachings, both in the year long, um, as well as in the book, are designed to apply the teachings, to integrate the teachings into our lives. And that's what brings about the, the real transformation. Uh, the other thing that I can do in a, in, a, in a year long program is put in a system of accountability right? yes. to keep us doing what we said we were going to do. So I have, you know, there's coaching calls with me every two weeks. In the intervening weeks, the, they, they have, you know, they, they get together in dyads or triads. And that could be a short 10-minute check-in call. But just, again, to keep us doing what we said we would do. Keep us on track. Oh. So that we can get the dream, our dreams and the relationships we really long for. 
fantastic. So you, you have a, an online coaching program. Um, that sounds that sounds really interesting. Well done for pivoting. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Um, so you have a lot of achievements. Which one are you particularly proud of? Hmm. Wow, good question. I mean, I think I think it relates to that deep, that other question you asked me, like learning to trust, like really learning to trust. And and COVID gave me the opportunity to to see that that for the many months during which I had almost no income, like I, not once did I go into fear, that I go into doubt, that it's like I knew I would be okay. So I'm really established at a at a body level, at a cellular level, and trusting that I'm gonna be okay and trusting my relationship with life. Um, and so that, in terms of more measurable um, accomplishments, God, the TEDx talk, I think was a big one. Um, my first book, Coming Out Spiritually, was chosen by Publishers Weekly, which is one of the, it's like the Bible of the publishing industry, is one of the 10 best religion books of its year. That was a big accomplishment. That's amazing. Um, I got an endorsement, this book, um, Awakening the Soul of Power, I got an endorsement from Gloria Stefan, the music icon. I'm really proud of that. Uh, Great. Yeah. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's an international star, isn't yeah. she? Yeah, yeah, that's great. A real, genuine, um, generous, um, beautiful, amazing person on top of that. Great. Yeah, you have a lot of achievements. Um, I think that pivot is a huge achievement as well as uh, everything, retreats, the books. It's great. Um, what are your visions and hopes for the future, Christian? Have you thought about that? Yeah, you know, and going back to your, your question about what am I most proud of? I think, I think those accomplishments are great. But what, what really, really gives me a sense of fulfillment is knowing that what I do and who I am makes a real difference in real human lives um that's what that's what fulfills me the most um and um going forward it's like you know i've I've, once in a while i'll ask myself what would i do if i won the lottery you know would i just go off and sit on a beach somewhere um and the answer is always the same it's like i would do exactly what i'm doing I would do it in a different way, you know, I'd, I'd do it on a much bigger scale and then be able to hire a lot more support system um, and reach a lot more people. Um, but it's, it's what I would do. Like I'm doing, I'm doing what, what, what feeds my soul. Um, I'm living my purpose, if you would. And, and to me, that's like, I think most of us at this point in midlife know that there isn't any amount of money and no amount of travel um, and no amount of worldly power or success that's ever going to be about no relationship that's ever going to fulfill us. And, and, and what a great example, right? Is that we just saw the last four years of somebody who had all the money that you could want, all the power in the world and miserable and thin skinned and whose sense of self is so lame and pitiful. Um, and so dependent on what other people think about him. Uh, so what, uh, to me, that's the way in which that, you know, that person served us all um, to really get that, that the, that the only fulfillment really comes from within. And, and as far as I'm concerned, it's connected to that. It's, it's connected to giving expression 
to the unique human potential that's inside each one of us. There isn't anybody out there that has the same genetics and the same set of experiences that make each one of us unique. If we don't give expression and full expression, not half-assed expression, full-assed expression to that, nobody else is going to do it. So to, to me, that is the universal imperative. And it's where our fulfillment lies. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's a great way of describing that. So I'd say your retreats, you get to see people go through transformations and you, you probably get a lot back for you from watching that or witnessing that. Um, how long do they last, your retreats, when, you, when they're running? Yeah, you know, I've, I, I, I've done one. I do one day workshops. One day. Um, and then, then I do long weekends, Thursday night through Sunday afternoon. Those are the most common. Then I also do a couple of times a year. I'll, I'll do a week long or a 10 day journey to like a beautiful spiritual place, uh, you know, Hawaii or Egypt or Southern France or uh, Machu Picchu and Peru or New Mexico. Wow. And hopefully Ireland. Ireland, yes. <laughs> Which is one of those lands that's, you know, that has that spiritual energy to it. It does. And oh, wow, it'd be great. Um, will, will you call your, your retreats after your book? Do you think, will they be based like that or will it be different? I think, I mean, who knows? Like, I'm already scheduling retreats in the fall, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll, well see. put us How... in there. <laughs> put Ireland in there, definitely. Um, so I'm already scheduling because I had to cancel it last year. So Peru is next. I'm taking, I'm going back to Peru with a group in 2022. Um, but I, I can definitely think about Ireland the following year. Yeah, I do. I think you would do well here. Yeah, people like retreats here. It's a beautiful place. The weather's not as nice as Peru, but... <laughs> but, it's, but it's magical in its own way. It's like all yes. that and green and... Um, yes, very green. And the contrast between the ocean and, the, and those cliffs and... I mean, I've never been. I've been to England and Scotland. But what I've seen of Ireland in, in movies and pictures is just stunning. It is. It's beautiful. Yes, it is. Um, you know, it's like everywhere else, but then like everywhere has its own uniqueness. Like all of us have uniqueness. Each country does too. So, yes, it's very yeah. green and there's lovely trees and mountains and cities. And yeah, I think you'd like it. I don't know you that well, but <laughs> I think you will. I know. I know that I'll like it. I have zero doubt that I'll like it. Yes. Yeah. Do you have any nuggets of wisdom um, you'd like to impart on younger people or older people? I think you've given us enough actually already, but if there's anything else. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, just to highlight um, that it is so worth it to do the work of going within and discovering who we are and, and what makes us tick and why we do the things we do and, and what patterns we're running and where we were conditioned by our families and our cultures and our religions and definitions of gender and all the ways in which we have been conditioned, including about our relationship to power. And in being willing to go through that process, we get to, to have freedom and, and yes, it's work, but it is so worthwhile um, because we get to invent ourselves and create ourselves and our, our, it shifts completely our relationship to life. And like I was saying before, it really becomes a, a dance of creation with life, a partnership with life. 
Yeah. So, so do the work. Do the work. Do the work. Great. Um, in your book, you said that's the first part of a trilogy, I think. Did you? That this book yeah. is the first book of three? Are you working on yeah, the other two now? Or have I'm you probably about halfway through the second one, which is on relationships. Oh, um, Initially, my plan was, yeah, so it's how do we do relationships consciously? Um, and it follows this one um, because relationships, I think, is where most of us give away our power, um, you know, and, and settle for, for those crumbs or those morsels of, of pseudo love uh, in order to not end up alone you know but the ironically that's what we sometimes ensure by attracting uh, people who are not a match and, and settling for relationships um, with people that are not really a match with, with who we are um, so it talks about that and it talks about how do we we identify those patterns that sometimes have us feeling like we're in the same boring play just with a different actor um, it's like I've been here before with you know with these patterns of relationships um and so and then how we use the relationship consciously to speed up our own process of healing and awakening and remembering who we really are uh, because if you want to shine a light on those blind spots that we all have get in relationship right because we're brilliant at finding each other's you know weak points and, and pressing them um and so but if we do that consciously rather than rather than reacting like we do and finding theirs and pressing their buttons if we do it consciously it's like ouch that hurt and then doing the work it's like why did that elicit that behavior in me and what about this pattern because it's not the first time this happened right if, we, if we're willing to do the work it is then we break all those patterns and we take ourselves to freedom so that's the second one I, and then the third one is on uh, life purpose and leadership so going back to the beginning, the all hands on deck. Um, Grace. It's, it's time, time to do and to be and to step into our power. Oh, I love it. I look forward to reading those two as well. Um, what, what are your, your books? Where would you find them? Are they on Amazon? Well, the yeah. first, the Awakening the Soul of Power. Yeah, Amazon, um, you know, and all those um, portals where you can buy books online you can order it at your local bookstore um, and you can also I mean you can also reach me through my website I'm on social media but probably the best way is my my website soulfulpower.com and then from there they can connect with me on social media and I've got you know an offer uh, now that if if you sign up for my email list um, then they'll get a sample chapter they'll get a list of power practices from the book that you were talking about and they'll get a guided meditation on trust oh fantastic thank you so how do people get that offer thank you for your yeah time. they just go to my website soulfulpower.com Soulfulpower you know a box will pop up and they just sign up to be on the email list great so um i will write that on the um on the the blog with the podcast um yeah you can see that there or uh, also on our facebook page um that would be brilliant thank you so much thank you so you can find you on facebook as well yeah facebook and instagram and LinkedIn. instagram um, and thank you so much for for sharing those links um and thank you for having me on the show i've loved our connection and 
the naturalness and just the flow of our conversation. I know you and I could continue talking for hours and yes, <laughs> uh, hopefully we'll get to do that in person sometime. Yes, next year, come and do your retreat. <laughs> yeah, uh, Christian, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I've really enjoyed our conversation and I hope our listeners do too. I'm sure they will. Um, maybe when you write your next one or before you come over to do a retreat, we'll have you on the show again. This is Carol Fitzpatrick signing off for Lady Time. If you enjoyed our conversation, please tune in again for upcoming shows and please share the link. Thank you for listening.